0: Get off my grass! Welcome, everyone. Coach Streb here, and I am bringing you the latest episode of the fabulous Old Man's Podcast. Yes, this podcast is made by an old man. Yours truly. But it's not for old people. It's made for everyone. I've got stories to share with you all today, just like every other episode, I guess. I mean, after all, isn't that what an old guy does best? tell stories based on life experiences? If you think you fit into that old guy group, then you're certainly going to be able to relate. But if you aren't yet to that point in your life, then listen up because I want to help you navigate the many challenges that life is going to throw at you. Coming up on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast, I'm going back to great sporting moments that I've seen. I've done all kinds of sports, but I haven't done tennis yet. Tennis is on my mind. So great sporting moments that I've seen for tennis. My mom recently bought a new computer, and I thought about what one should look for when they're purchasing a new computer. So I did some reading, and I have some things for you to consider when you are looking for a new computer. You know what YOLO means? Well, hang on, because when I get done with this episode of the Old Man's Podcast, you'll be quite familiar with YOLO. what's on the old man's mind this week? Sports, specifically tennis. Of course, sports are frequently on my mind, but it's summertime. Summertime is swimming time and tennis time, you know, outdoor stuff. So I've been watching a lot of tennis on TV and and seeing people playing tennis. I haven't been able to play much myself, but tennis is a summer thing. So before summer gets over with, I thought I'd discuss great sporting moments that I've seen related to tennis. Back in the 70s when I was in high school and in the early 80s going into college, we kind of grew up on tennis courts. Tennis really exploded in the 70s in terms of popularity. We would meet our friends there, spend a lot of time during the summer playing tennis. And courts were popping up all over the place, as I said, was becoming very, very popular. And of course, we would pretend to be the heroes of the day, and there were a lot of them. McEnroe, Connors, Everett, Borg. And like everything else that us old people want to talk about, the old days, it was different. The game of tennis was different then. And it seemed like the players were different too. To me, looking at now versus 40 years ago, it seems like the players then had more, I don't know, I'm air quoting here, personality. I know that's not really true, but now players are sponsored and they have to watch what they're doing on social media and you have to be careful because you don't want to get canceled. I think that's true, of course, in every sport, every professional sport. But back in the 70s, if you go back 40 or 50 years ago, Social media didn't exist. Cancel culture wasn't a thing. People could speak freely. And in fact, would, as I'm going to explain to you in a little bit here, would be exorbitant with their comments, would be overdramatic to draw attention to themselves. Since we didn't have social media, how else were you going to draw attention to yourself? I think nothing speaks more to that point than Bobby Riggs. Bobby Riggs was a famous tennis player, and he was a, a, a tennis-playing playboy, if you will. Now, this was the era of equal rights. It was just beginning. It rolled from the 60s into the 70s and kept on going till the 80s when uh, Title IX came about. But this guy, he was an unapologetic sexist. He would He would never make it in today's world. And he made money off of saying things that you would get canceled. Again, air quotes there, canceled. He made money off saying things that you would get canceled for now. Many of you might remember when he played Billie Jean King at the Astrodome in Houston, Texas, in a much heralded Battle of the Sexes. It was on one primetime evening on TV and millions and tens of millions of people watched it. And I was one of them. It was 47 years ago, 1973. Billie Jean King was only 29, but she had burst onto the scene, and she was one of the most successful women tennis players at the time. Now, he had done this battle of the sexist thing earlier with uh, an older woman, not, not like out of her prime. Well, maybe out of her prime. Margaret Court was her name. But he beat her. So Billie Jean King, she took on that challenge and said, no, I'm going to play you. And he was totally annoying. He'd be annoying then. He would definitely be annoying now. He was a chauvinist. He was called Bobby. And This is what he said. Not my words, his words. No broad can beat me Ricks. Bobby, no broad can beat me Ricks. Can you imagine doing that now? Unbelievable, right? That's how much the world has changed since 1973. There are about 50 million people tuned in to view that. That's how big of a deal it was. Now, it was all show. He gets out there at the very beginning. I remember he was putting like uh, folding chairs on the court. So he was creating himself some obstacles because he was going to give her an advantage. He didn't need to do that. She gave him a beating. And uh, the battle of the sexes ended with Billie Jean King beating this well-known chauvinist Bobby Riggs. And it was a big deal then, and it was definitely, I think, a significant event in women's rights. How many of you remember Fire and Ice? Fire and Ice. Fire was John McEnroe, and Ice was Bjorn Borg. Those were two massively popular tennis players. The rivalry between these two was highlighted by their contrasting styles. Borg was Ice. I mean, this guy was cold. He never showed emotion. He never got too high. He never got too low. He was just all business. Very impressive. McEnroe, well known. He was the fire part. This guy had a temper. He came into the stadium sometimes yelling at people, yelling at the referees. He was all show, where Borg was all go, if you will. I really enjoyed watching all those competitions between those two. This time period even had a dramatic romance with it. You remember the early 70s up to the mid-70s when Chris Evert and Jimmy Connors were a thing? They had started dating back in the early 70s and had a wedding date set. But it was canceled at the time, reportedly by him, shortly before the wedding. Now I'm not going to get into the rumors, but if you read Jimmy Connors' memoirs, you might be surprised about what he says Actually, happened. Billie Jean King and the aforementioned Chris Everett actually had some real doozies between themselves. The teenager Everett met the 20 something more veteran King for the first time in a Grand Slam event, and Billie Jean King gave her a good old fashioned spanking. They met more often than that one meeting, and over the years, the record between them was probably about 50 50. I think if you add in Martina Navratilova and the kid compared to the rest of them, Steffi Graf, during that period of the '80s, women's tennis may have been the most exciting international sport on earth. Now, I say international sport, so I'm talking about, you know, golf and soccer, things that are played uh, globally. Women's tennis, I really feel like was more popular than men's tennis during this time. Now you had some great men rivalries, as I said, you had McEnroe Connors, you had McEnroe Borg, you had some great battles, but the women at that time, the personalities of the women, the backstory for the women, and and the competitive nature, and it was kind of just bursting onto the scene. Women's tennis was just now becoming a big deal. In the 80s, women's tennis was really kind of taking over the world. I don't know how the sisters, Venus and Serena, would match up with them. I have to believe that they're better trained and more skilled, and they would have dominated at the time, but they weren't there. And they dominate now, and there's all kinds of great stories in the present and the recent past of women's tennis. But I'm going to hold firm with the 80s being the golden age, if you will, of tennis, especially women's tennis. Anyway that's what i think. i'm wondering what you think. and you know i love to get your opinions and i don't get enough of them. come on, give me your opinion. send me an email at the old man's email at yahoo.com or leave a message on the anchor app. what do you think about women's tennis? who sticks out to you? yes, it's better now than it was then, but was the 80s truly the golden age of women's tennis as i suggest it might have been? i would love to hear your opinions give them to me. I can take it. So the old man's tip this week is considerations you should make when you're looking for a new computer. My mom recently bought a new computer, so this has been on my mind. Did a little reading see what it is we should be looking for when we buy a new computer i haven't done this myself for quite some time so uh, things change technology rolls really really fast if you haven't bought one in one or two or maybe even three years computers have changed quite a bit in just three years today's machines are generally faster more power efficient thinner even In many cases, cheaper. That's good news. I like it being cheaper. But one thing that hasn't changed is the jargon that can still baffle us buyers. And without advanced degrees and even a passion for technology, we're not really going to know what we're getting into. So the trick, I think, is to get the computer you need without paying for what you don't need. Sometimes we can end up getting the high price computer that offers more things that we need and we wasted our money, who wants to do that? So some of the things that matter, processor speed definitely matters. Now the processor is the master chip it drives your computer. Current Windows based computers, that's what I have, typically run a 10th or 11th generation chip. So when you look at the model numbers, it might say I-5 or I-7, but there'll be two digits immediately after that. You want those two digits to be 10 or 11 because that's what generation Intel chip it is. shouldn't buy anything earlier than a 10th or 11th generation. What type of computer should I get? Should I get a desktop or should I get a more mobile laptop? or now we're talking about tablets. Portable devices account for four-fifths of the world market. In other words, people aren't buying the conventional desktops anymore. In fact, they're not really offered all that much. If you don't like looking at the screen on your laptop because it's too small, you can hook it to a monitor. You can buy a monitor for $150 or less, hook your laptop into that, and you'll never know the difference if you have a desktop or a laptop. You're probably familiar with the term RAM, R-A-M, Random Access Memory. It's the short-term memory that your computer has. I think the best way to describe that is working space. The more RAM you have, the more programs and browser tabs you can open up and keep your computer running smoother without freeze-ups and whatnot. Experts seem to recommend at least eight gigabytes of RAM. You can get more, but you can get by with eight. Chromebooks, I'm gonna talk about those a bit. Chromebooks are little tablets you carry around with you. Since a Chromebook is hooked up to the cloud, so all of your work is going into the cloud, you don't need as much RAM. Four gigabyte of RAM on a Chromebook will probably be enough. Now how about cost? How much should I be paying for a computer? I think you should be able to find a computer suitable for most everyday needs for less than $400. That is not bad. If you're looking for a laptop, and a laptop costs more than 600 bucks, it might last longer. That's, that's the only thing it's going for. It might last up to five years. But for $400 or less on a laptop or a Chromebook or a tablet, you're gonna get virtually the same amount of time. And who, after three or four years, isn't looking for a new computer update to the new technology anyway? So I don't think you need to spend really more than $400. Now, screen size makes a difference, especially for us elderly people. Looking at a small monitor is tough. I use my phone like a computer. I have a Bluetooth um, keyboard that I connect to my phone. And I I'll bring my computer back and forth from work. When I'm at home, I'll just use my phone and my Bluetooth keyboard. But I gotta admit, it's kind of annoying to look at things on that little phone. Experts say the sweet spot for a screen size, is 14 to 15 inches. You can get that on a laptop, probably not on a tablet. That's why you might want to purchase a, a monitor to go along with your tablet that you're using. You want to make sure you have full HD and that's a 1080p resolution. Don't get anything less than that, it just won't look right on there. Data storage is an issue. You want to make sure that you have an internal data storage of at least 256 gigs. Now, if you're using a laptop or a tablet and it's cloud based, you can possibly get away with less, but you're still going to want to put a lot of stuff on your device. So don't go anywhere smaller than 250 gigabytes of storage, internal storage. Now, I mentioned Chromebook. I would really recommend you take a look at a Chromebook or another tablet. They're small, the battery lasts a long time, so they're portable, and that's where a a desktop is not ever gonna be portable. And some laptops, they're portable, of course, that's why they're called laptops, but the battery life, it doesn't last that long. They're gonna go dead. Give some consideration to a Chromebook or some other tablet that is more easy to carry around. It's lighter, it's uh, more mobile. You might like that better. So, there you have it. All the things that you should consider when looking to buy a new computer. All right, people, gather around. Coach has got a pep talk for you. The quote I'm going to use for this week's pep talk is from a famous and highly regarded former first lady, Eleanor Roosevelt. This quote from Eleanor Roosevelt is, To handle yourself, use your head. To handle others, use your heart. I like that one. I was thinking about times in my life and I think you probably agree with this a lot of times when we've made mistakes it's usually because we didn't think our way through the issue we just acted emotionally we didn't handle ourselves appropriately so she's saying to handle yourself use your head so you don't want to act emotionally on issues with that are personal handle yourself use your head Now, when we have drama with other people, you know, arguments with others or debates, just civil, doesn't have to be mean stuff, it does seem to be the opposite. We're kind of like Perry Mason. I hope you know who that is, okay? You young people might not, but he's a famous TV lawyer guy. Okay, so anyway, let me go on. We're trying to be like Perry Mason where we set up the perfect legal argument for our position, So we get real intellectual with the person that we're debating or arguing with. It's times like that, however, when we don't need to use our head. She used our head on our own issues, not in dealing with other people. Because as she says, to handle others, use your heart. So you're in a debate with somebody else. How many times have you ever made a point that swayed their opinion, like they're set thinking whatever it is they're thinking, and you want them to think something else. Have you ever made a point that changed a person's opinion on something that they seriously considered or they thought emotionally about? I'm going to guess probably not. It's the same thing I tell parents when they're yelling from the stands at referees. No human being has ever yelled anything from a stand onto a field at an official and changed a call. It doesn't happen. That's not how it works. Now, from the coach's standpoint, or from your standpoint in this debate or argument that you're having, if you can earn that other person's trust through what is known as active listening, they may look at the situation. More similarly to how you are looking at it. Now, a good sign that your active listening is working is that they're asking questions. It's no longer a debate, it's no longer an argument, it's now a discussion. And if you're active listening, which means you're not arguing with them, you might be asking them questions, but you're doing more listening than talking, you're not dominating the conversation. You should be able to get to that point where both of you are engaged in what I'm calling active listening. The success rate of arguing is pretty ridiculous. It just doesn't happen. You don't change anybody's mind. Yet we still do it over and over again. To handle yourself, use your head. Yes, think before I act. To handle others, use your heart. Let that person know that I care and that what they say interests me. I care about how they feel. I care about what they say. So you can choose to go on with the futility of arguing. If you want to handle other people, use your heart. It is time for many people's favorite part of the old man's podcast, the Engage Your Brain. I've gotten into the habit of giving you four, five, maybe six trivia questions. I know a lot of you, the competitive juices flow, and you can't wait for the challenge of how many of these five questions can you get right? Well, I have five for you today. Let's see how you do. Engage your brain. Remember, you need to do this every day. Not just five trivia questions, but some kind of brain engaging activity. So here goes the engage your brain for this episode. Flowers. There was a flower bulb that was used as currency at one point in time. So which kind of flower bulb ...was once exchanged as a form of currency. It was money. Now There's not a whole lot of flower bulbs. And if the only one you know is tulips... ...then say tulips. Because that's the right answer. Can you imagine that? In time, paying for something by tulips. Alright, number two. I talked about tennis today... ...so I thought I'd do a trivia question on tennis. I'm talking about current tennis stars the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, which one has the most Grand Slam titles? That's a hard question because they've both been immensely successful and they've played each other a number of times. Do you know which one? you got a 50-50 chance of guessing it, right? If that's what you did, I hope you guessed Serena. Serena Williams has won more Grand Slam titles than her sister. Alright, let's move to science because I like science. Which planet is known as the Red Planet? In fact, if you look at it, even with uh, binoculars, more or less a telescope, you can see a red tint to it. That planet is Mars. Mars is known as the Red Planet. Staying with science, uh, specifically outer space, what heavenly body has been recently demoted from planet status so it was a heavenly body it was once considered a planet but it is no longer and that answer is pluto apparently astronomers don't believe pluto is a planet it's just a giant asteroid floating around out there like it thinks it's a planet hey I, I didn't know that was a thing but apparently it's a thing all right pop culture for the last one this one's not too hard now think about this Who in Hollywood is known as the voice of God? He played God in a movie, at least one that I can think of, probably more than one. But he's got this deep voice. (laughs) If God had a voice, Morgan Friedman would have it. Morgan Friedman, known in Hollywood as the voice of God. And that was five trivia questions. I hope you got all five of them right. More importantly, I hope you remember each and every day to engage your brain. A funny thing occurred the other day when I heard a teenager talk about a text he got from a friend that had the acronym... YOLO. Y-O-L-O. All in uppercase. What does that mean? Well, it's a thing that kids use. It's texting language. And it stands for, you only live once. And it scares me a little bit because the people expressing that sentiment at this time, they're young people, they really aren't that experienced enough to realize what is dangerous. Lots of things that young people do, old people wouldn't do because they're dangerous, but young people, they haven't had the experiences that older people have, so they don't see their danger. So YOLO, you only live once, might make sense to a young person when it comes to, say, free climbing this massive cliff. Yeah, I'll climb up that cliff without ropes. You only live once. Uh, that's kind of scary because you only live once until you fall off of that cliff then you're not living anymore. You get my meaning there. I think YOLO should not be used by young people. The whole concept of you only live once is scary when the person talking about is 18, 20, 22, because they're going to try anything. And if the excuse is, I only live once, That's why I'm gonna try doing this dangerous or exciting thing, this adrenaline rush that I'm getting. Bad stuff can happen. YOLO should be used by older people, but we don't. We're too tired, too frail, too cautious, not not excited enough to try new things. We don't wanna fall and break a hip, if you will. So the people that are using YOLO, young people, probably don't have the experience to make that safe. The people with the experience to only live once safely won't do it because we're too cautious, right? There's gotta be a happy medium. And I guess maybe that's you 40-somethings. You're healthy, and agile enough to still do fun stuff, but you're experienced enough to know when danger might be close. No, I'm not going to try doing this thing, at least not this way, because it's dangerous. YOLO, you only live once, should have real meaning for everyone, regardless of age. Young people, I get it. You only live once, so do that exciting thing. But make sure you're doing it safely. Maybe discuss that with some of us older people so that it goes off in a safer environment. Older people, take it from the younger people. You do only live once, so get out there and have some fun. Zipline, whitewater rafting, do some fun and exciting stuff. YOLO, it should have meaning for everybody, but it should be kept in perspective. If I could quote from the old TV series, Kung Fu Perspective Grasshopper. Well, there's that sound that means the old man's got to go. This podcast is now at a conclusion I hope you enjoyed it I know I enjoyed telling you some stories I got them man I got some stories and I hope there's some things that I passed out there that'll be helpful to you in your life that you can pass on to other people And nothing else that's kind of the point of the old man's podcast us more experienced older people let's pass our knowledge on let's pass our experience on to those younger people won't do them any harm It only do them good. I'll be back again next week. Pass this podcast on to your friends. Make sure everybody you know knows about it. Subscribe to it. If you haven't already done that, please subscribe to it. And until we talk again next week, I really want you to remember, live boldly. Get off my grass! Damn kids.